0: A dumb question. This is only so that it can hear me well, right? Not you guys?
1: That's not a dumb question. Okay. No such thing as a dumb question. Okay. Unless you're Gabe, but <laughs> it's only to hear you. because I'm gonna use your track. You're gonna email it to me when we're done. Okay. And then I'll use that as the track to use for your
0: voice. I'm so fascinated by the editing process. We can talk about that later though.
2: What do you think, Gabe? Last time I tried to give you my opinion, you said don't touch anything.
1: Yeah, don't touch anything. I stand by that. Can you see me and him? Because it'll be more interesting if you can see us.
0: Yes, I can see both of you.
1: Gabe, you say something and see if she can hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Awesome. All right, well, we could start now.
0: Okay, we're all recording.
1: We don't have any, like, witty banter. A little light banter to start us <laughs> off. <laughs> Gabe's not feeling so hot today.
0: Just
2: allergies. Everybody can relax. I know we're in a bit of a health scare globally. That's true. But this happens, like, once a month, so I'm, I'm fine. If you hear any loud elements elephant-like noises in the back while you're listening to this podcast. It's me. So <laughs> that is true. Do not be alarmed, but we do have a guest today.
1: Yes. Ask me who it is. Steven, who is with us on the cast today? We have someone that we've never had on our podcast today. Wow. Another first. Her name is Lindsay. Should I say your last name?
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Amick. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thanks for not saying Amick. Amick.
1: you You're welcome. You're very welcome. Do you remember how we met?
0: I remember, was it at Steph and Matt's house? Yes. I remember. <laughs> Very remember You were definitely. Steph's friend, right? I was Steph's friend at the time.
1: Is she now your sister-in-law?
0: She's now my sister-in-law.
1: That's wild. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you and Allie were just dating, I think, at that time.
1: Yeah, just dating, trying to figure out which wine to drink.
2: <laughs> the simple times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but we're also today going to talk about something that is a phenomenon, I would say. Yeah. To most people. To a lot of people.
2: The sensation sweeping the nation.
1: Honestly, I never thought I would do an episode on an Apple TV show because Apple hasn't had a great track record so far with their television.
2: With but you?
1: With a lot of people. <laughs>
2: They're a little slow. They're one of the newer streaming platforms, so they haven't had the pedigree of the big ones like Netflix and HBO.
1: But there's like three or four shows now that I think are really popular and gaining a lot of traction. Morning Show is another one. But anyway, this one we're doing today is called Ted Lasso, and we're going to focus specifically on season two. But before that, we'll talk a little bit about why it's such a big hit in season one. I first heard about the show from my brother who was saying season one is like one of the best things ever. He's like, Ted Lasso is one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen. And I was like, why? And he's like, because he's extremely positive And he spreads that optimism around and it affects each character in a way that I've never seen in a show or in a movie. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, that's really interesting. And then everyone started talking about it. Everyone was like, this is amazing. And specifically with season one, I feel like everyone was just gaga over it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to watch it at first because... I wanted to wait until maybe season two or season three until like we actually finally understood what was going on with the show because like mm. I don't like investing in the shows that end up becoming a lot worse because then you feel like you have to finish the show and for me because I want to watch so many things it becomes a big waste of time maybe that's what's going on here I don't know yet.
0: <laughs> that's a really interesting strategy I have never heard anyone approach TV like that.
1: Well I want to watch so many things that I honestly don't have time for so mm-hmm. I have to like wait out in years, honestly, sometimes before I start something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so everyone kept talking about it. It did really well at the Emmys, I think, right? Mm swept, Won a bunch of awards. And there have been a lot of people I know personally, Lindsay and her husband, who's also a friend of mine being some of them that have watched season one over and over again. Mm -hmm. I think he told me that you guys watched it like three times. Is that right?
0: That's right. I watched it twice on my own. And then I watched it once with my best friend in one sitting in one day. And to watch her fall in love with it was the best thing ever. To watch her experience the moments and just like, oh, it was awesome.
1: Can you maybe talk about why you think season one is so special?
0: So the reason I started watching was my sister insisting and she and I often don't have similar tastes in TV. So I lower my expectations (laughs) when I watch a show that she tells me to watch. (laughs) Not that she likes bad TV or I like good TV. It's just that often we have a different taste. So I just remember not wanting to stop. I don't remember how quickly I finished season one, but I was just falling so hard for the characters. I thought they were extremely intelligent, extremely deep. Rebecca, I'll get into her, but she's the reason I loved season one, truly. I thought she was so fascinating and complex and her motivation for just wanting to screw over this really innocent, nice guy was just so compelling to watch for me. And I love that your brother said Ted is the reason, which I love Ted's character and I love him even more in season two. We'll get into that. But I just think this show is so full. It's so well-rounded it's Mm -hmm. a true world
1: yeah that's very true i mean one of the biggest things when my brother was also pitching it to me he was saying how every character has a moment to shine Mm -hmm. or at least some point they might have a moment to shine so it's almost like the b characters and c characters may become a characters at some point or prominent protagonists absolutely and that is so fascinating but i totally agree the writing in season one specifically i think also was in particular very very good. Mm-hmm. The way that they wrote the story and the characters interacting and the way that everything played out. I just thought it was
0: exceptional. The humor is done extremely well. That's and true too, yeah. I don't know how to explain it other than like the punchline of a really thoughtful moment. It yeah. just hits you. Yeah. And the only other show that I've felt that way, I think ever is my favorite show of all time, Fleabag, where something is said and like your breath is taken away. I feel like that happens in Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm quite a bit
1: it does it for sure does specifically in season one Mm -hmm. and then more so in season two Mm -hmm. as time goes on (laughs) but um Season one, I should say, for me, the reason that I really found myself enjoying it was because I'm a huge sucker for an underdog story. Mm -hmm. And Ted Lasso, not the show, but the character, is an underdog throughout the whole season. Mm -hmm. And so is the team with all of the players that he's trying to win over so that they trust him as a coach, but also have them win as a team because mm-hmm. we're talking about football or soccer not american football
0: we can't say the word soccer <laughs> oh, well,
1: <laughs> i mean i said football first so that's what matters european football yeah right But and so the underdog was the I think the biggest draw. And I think the way that it was written and structured around the underdog story was the reason that season one was such a big hit because not only was it done so well, but it was done in the time during COVID. Yes. When the whole world needed sort of a pick me up. Totally. And so to bring this extraordinarily optimistic character on screen and have him change the hearts and minds of the people around him with that optimism I think was a a very remarkable thing to do
0: 100%
1: anyway so let's talk about season 2
0: okay I'm ready for ya <laughs>
1: <laughs> I at one point I texted your husband who shall remain nameless for purposes unknown to everyone I texted him I think in episode 6 mm-hmm. and I said I don't think anything can save season 2 for me at this point <laughs> And then at the end of episode six, it got so much better. And then every episode after that till episode 12, uh, because this season had two more episodes than the previous season, Mm -hmm. were actually like really, really good. A lot like season one.
0: I'm laughing because I was reviewing our texts when we both thought that the season was over. (laughs) We're <laughs> oh. discussing the finale and it was episode ten <laughs> and there are twelve episodes.
1: I for sure was like, Oh, it's done now. And that was a pretty good finale. Like it would have been <laughs> like a good <laughs> point to stop at.
0: It would've. But yeah. Well, like, I gotta so- know why. I wanna I wanna know why the first five eps for you And you told me a little bit, but I want to hear more.
1: Yeah. So I was just talking about the writing and the underdog story and not just Ted Lasso, the character being an underdog played brilliantly by Jason Sudeikis but also his team that he's the coach of the head coach of is also an underdog. Mm -hmm. There was an absence of that kind of arc, that underdog story. And I think that was the main sort of hook for people when they first started watching the show. Mm -hmm. And so taking away sort of that underdog nature of the show, and then also having almost like zero antagonism, like there was no antagonistic force that kind of made it so that the characters could thrive off of it became this really like fluffy, happy show that felt super different from season one and up until all the way at the end of episode six and here's where we'll just say full spoilers going forward so spoiler warning but at the end of episode six ted lasso has a massive anxiety attack that makes it so that he has to leave the field Mm mid-game and then from every episode after that he's basically dealing with his anxiety and having to confront these pretty dark parts of himself for the rest of the season. And so are the other characters. But before that, like it was literally a show where there was a Christmas episode and you literally saw Santa Claus fly by in the sky. (laughs) And it was, it was so fluffy and the opposite of what I think the allure was for season one and I think that's why it kind of just I was like it felt like a completely different show like almost like they fired all of season one's writers just like Walking Dead season one mm-hmm. and then hired all new writers for season two it was wild
0: this is so crazy to me because I agree wholeheartedly with so many things you're saying and disagree with some things you're saying. because time. I agree that it felt like a different show I do not agree that it's like they fired all the writers I think The writing felt super consistent to me, even if it wasn't quite as good at some points as season one. At the beginning of season two, I think it found its way. And as far as you were talking about antagonists, I don't think there was one central one at the beginning of the season. I think there were a lot of little ones. And I wanna clarify what you were talking about with the fluffy. So you think all do you think the first five episodes were fluffy or you think the Christmas episode was fluffy?
1: I think all of the first five and a half episodes. So the almost all six episodes were fluffy.
0: That is so wild to me because the beginning felt super charged to me in a negative way. Like because I Because of like, the
1: killing of the dog?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the opening seen as a dog an innocent dog dying
1: <laughs> but it plays it off like as a joke it takes an emotional turmoil on the characters and the team mhm but it's super lighthearted at the same time. Like it's moving forward as if it's now like a rom-com or something. There's even a rom-com episode in that time that literally pays homage to every rom-com. And it's like, what is going on? Like where where did everything go wrong?
0: I love it. I love this because this is literally our texting conversation of, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I hated it. And I'm like, I loved
1: it. And I like rom-coms. Like I I actually enjoy rom-coms. But Some
0: the dog moment for me, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I loved Ted's speech after about welcoming things into our lives. And then when they leave, we're sending them off to a better place. That was super touching. I understand it was like kind of brushed under the rug. But I also think that moment was the whole impetus for the mental health and the therapist to come in this season. That was the whole reason she, Dr. Fieldstone, was brought in was because Danny needed a therapist after that. And that's all we thought it was going to be, was like, oh, you know, he needs to get through this. He was wrecked by it. And then... It opens this door to like, well, wait, all these other players are lining up outside her office. They want an appointment. Mm. And so I feel like that was the catalyst of what I think is the main thread of season two, which is mental health and yeah. ways to deal with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on so many things as well. Like, I'm not saying that the show still wasn't cleverly written or that there weren't really good charming moments by, from the characters. The moments were still good and the characters were still well written. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something was completely different.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it was like glaringly noticeable. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one thing I will say, though, that I did like was that it kept the because there's usually a lot of subversion because the writing is so good. Mm -hmm. They set a lot of things up that you think are going to happen that don't actually happen. Mm. Like there's this kind of connection between Rebecca and Ted that you thought at one point, oh, maybe they'll get together at some point Mm -hmm. to the point where most stories that have told this story before would sort of get those two characters together and have them like do a thing. Mm -hmm. But in in this show, they didn't do it. They have that connection, but maintain just the friendship that they have and then actually begin relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they'll never actually get together because they just have established such a good friendship. Totally. And I like that they are able to write whole sort of real characters in that way where they don't feel fake or that we're just in some sort of rom-com or something. Mm -hmm. I like that they're able to do that because season one did that really well. But the rest of it, again, just... It was the lack of... If you could imagine, like, when I talk about Underdog as if it's like a large sort of force, like a dark mark in the sky or something, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, to speak Harry Potter language, (laughs) that drives the show Mm -hmm. forward. There was an absence of that in the beginning of season two. Mental health was kind of established in the very first episode.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But because the show sort of centers around Ted and his sort of his like inspirational person, when you take that away from him, Mm -hmm. where he doesn't have an antagonistic force, he was given carte blanche by Rebecca to continue to coach there. The team is like accepted him. Mm -hmm. He's like loved by a bunch of people that sort of overarching, like darkness, like the cloud in the sky is gone. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why I just felt super different and until they actually gave him that anxiety attack and then an episode or two later he comes out with this knowledge that is unbeknownst to the viewer to the audience that his dad killed himself when he was in high school i believe or junior high yeah he was
0: a yeah 16 or something
1: yeah and he was the first one to find his body it's just like a really gnarly story right but was also the catalyst for his character and why he is as optimistic as he is and but it got super like deep and dark toward toward that- the latter half of the season and then i was like oh here we are again we find ourselves in the midst of why the show is so good. It's back to its season one. Mm -hmm. And I think if they continue to somehow ride those waves of being able to balance between those two feelings, those two tones, I think the show will be very successful going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I haven't watched season one again since watching season two, but I do remember Ted's mini panic attack in season one when they're in the karaoke bar. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. For me, like, I love the pace that they are taking us through his journey of realizing that he has something that he needs to cope with. Not just his past and his present divorce, which is why that panic attack came Mm -hmm. about, but the fact that he's physically having these attacks. And so so I think in life, that is a really realistic Mm -hmm. journey, So I love that they're taking their time. And the first half of season two, I think we're missing that pillar of Ted, like you were saying. Yeah. But... For me, the show spread itself out so perfectly amongst all the other characters that I was just as drawn in by the characters as I was in season one. But I was getting all of these other layers. I was seeing them in different environments, having new relationships, getting to know Nate's family, getting to see Mm -hmm. Rebecca's goddaughter. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. the all of these characters are fascinating to me for really simple reasons. They aren't just everyday reasons. (laughs) Like I love Nate's dynamic with his dad, I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was completely drawn in by that in the first half of season two, but I totally understand why if that didn't do it for you, mm-hmm. why season two, <laughs> the beginning would be, would be painful. I, yeah. I totally get that.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate you being able to dialogue with me without getting super defensive or something.
0: <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. That's not the way of Ted Lasso, so. <laughs> Gabe,
1: do you have any opinions or questions or concerns?
2: <laughs> no, I'm just listening. I didn't watch Ted Lasso, so I'm here as the third wheel.
0: Is there a specific reason?
2: I don't normally go out for comedy, but I've been pulled towards this show just because of how much people have been talking about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially the more controversial notes of season two have made me interested. But I don't usually make a lot of time for more lighthearted or positive content. Mm -hmm. I like the grit and the darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: What else do you have to say? I'm curious. You want to talk about Nate?
0: So the way that they take gender norms and reverse them and don't make it a big deal is just such a breath of fresh air. I love it so much. And there, I feel like there are so many examples of it. Rebecca, she's a boss ass bitch as we know in season two, but it's not shove it in your face. We've put a woman in charge of this football club it's just yes she's great at her job and we're not even thinking about that and I right, right. I love that uh Keely yeah. same thing Roy I think they do it so well in season two because I think he is the more insecure one and in he and Keely's relationship yes. but he's also not weakened by his insecurities he is and they deal with it yes. and so it's not Keely is this big strong successful woman and that makes him feel lesser that's not the dynamic it's just Mm -hmm. he has his own insecurities not because of her and i just appreciate that about the show so much but yeah we totally should talk about nate too
1: (laughs) (laughs) no that's beautifully said we were comparing this in our text message conversation to the marvel movies Mm -hmm. the gender identity i guess of Mm -hmm. like we are women and we're here right now Mm -hmm. and We're going to do a whole scene where all the women kind of like stare down the camera and fight the villain in one scene so you know women are important. It's so glaringly not done subtly to where you can actually be rooting for the character in a realistic manner it feels very forced in performative yeah
0: and i honestly felt condescended as a woman watching that it was like here you go we're gonna give you 30 seconds of this film to make sure that you know that we are acknowledging women like it was just yes it was very strange so yeah. that's something I really appreciate about the show. But Nate, man, yeah. he is <laughs> such a gnarly character in season two, and I love cheering him in for him one. in
1: season two. I
0: was cheering for him. He was my favorite character besides Rebecca in season one.
1: Oh uh, yeah. And
0: I don't know if I love or hate what they're doing with him because. He actually is super angry throughout season two. It's just not at anyone other than the person who's taken his place. So, like, you see the anger bubbling. And then I feel that Rebecca and Keeley have this, like, pump-up episode with him. And he completely takes it the wrong way. Like, he, the world yeah. is, like, giving him these lessons. Like, spoon-feeding him these lessons. And he's going about it just the completely wrong way. Which I think is also really interesting, which is why I'm holding out to see if I love or hate what they're doing with him, because I think that's a really realistic thing to happen to somebody too.
1: Yeah. Now that you just said that, I'm thinking maybe he wasn't actually angry at Ted. Maybe he was just angry at the fact that he felt like second fiddle to everyone else that that he was surrounded by. Because Keely is more famous than everyone. Roy is more famous. Ted's more famous. Everyone else is getting the spotlight, mm-hmm. but he's the person that doesn't get the seat at the table when he goes to a restaurant. He's the person that isn't known, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think maybe he was just super bitter at the totally. fact that he wasn't as famous as everyone else. And
0: and I think he had unrealistic expectations for what was going to happen after he got promoted. Like, I think he thought he was yeah. all of a sudden going to be just like them. And it's not the case like they've been putting in years and years and years. And I don't, yeah. I don't know necessarily how long he'd been in that previous role, but he definitely hasn't earned how he's acting.
1: Yeah, I think Nate's going to be put in his place, though.
0: Yeah, I do, too. Rupert is not going to treat him well. No. He's crazy. I think the only other thing that I wanted to mention was I love the way that therapy is addressed by so many different characters in the show. There's so many different reactions to it. I love the way that they are approaching that whole conversation. And even the therapist, Dr. Sharon, she's so different at the beginning of season two to the end. They softened her up so much and I thought that she went on a really interesting journey as well, even though she was trying to come off as the know-it-all doctor. But specifically Ted, he was just looking for any reason to not want therapy at the beginning and he and Rebecca have this amazing moment where they're like this is why you have friends like you don't have to go to therapy is there anything that you wanted to talk about and she's like no he's like me either and then he (laughs) leaves and I'm like it's just not preachy this show is not preachy at all it's just
1: yeah it's super true the
0: core of it is like we're all humans all of you who are watching are humans everything that you think and feel is valid and normal look you get to watch these characters live it every episode and like it's okay everything is fine it's like
2: (laughs) But
0: not in a toxic positivity way. They acknowledge Uh that things are often not fine, but it's the Uh way that you deal with them.
1: That's interesting that you touched on that it's interesting because people that haven't had therapy usually have like a specific view of it mm-hmm. they usually like to stay away from it or not engage even with the idea of going because they're almost like scared of what will happen
0: mm-hmm. but
1: people that have gone to therapy are like you should go every week it's the best thing in the world like you know <laughs> <I> <laughs> it's so helpful it. yeah and yeah it wasn't preachy about it and it was very smart i think this show i mean this season was probably written by people who have been to therapy a lot or are very well acquainted with it
0: yeah
2: Is the mental health angle more of a focus in season two than it was in season one? Like, it's much more of a prominent theme? For sure.
0: I think so. They definitely planted the seeds in season one, but it's a main thread of season two.
2: Is it going to be an ongoing thing, you think, for Ted and the rest of the cast moving forward?
0: I don't think so. It didn't seem like it to me because... Spoilers. She's gone as of the end of the season. The therapist. The team therapist. The way that they portrayed actual sessions also, I think, was really great because I think the fear... Sometimes there are lots of like hesitations I think why people don't want to go to therapy. First of all, yes. it's an admission and that's I think sometimes the hardest part that you know, I need help or I'm seeking something is wrong, you know, which a lot of people just don't want to admit that, which is understandable, but Ted when he finally kind of has like a a breakdown or a breakthrough with her she is very much a a listener and not a I'm gonna tell you what to do. And and I think a lot of people have resistance to that. It's like I don't need somebody else telling me what to do. And that's a I think a huge misconception of what therapy is. And mm-hmm. I think they portrayed that you're doing ninety-nine percent of the work and the talking and yeah. and it's really just like that example with Ted and Rebecca, they don't want to open up to each other. But also when you're alone in a room, it's hard to open up to yourself. And when you have a real person there to bounce things off of that is completely unbiased... I just think they put that on the screen really, really well. Yeah, And I'm wondering if anybody decided to go to therapy after watching season two. I would love to know. And I'm happy for them if they did. But
1: Listeners, if you're listening, <laughs> all four of you, and you uh, <laughs> decided to go to therapy, please let us know.
2: Does Ted resolve his trauma with regarding his father by the end of the season?
1: <sighs> that actually, I have something to say about. Because trauma in people is usually something that you deal with for your whole life Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes therapy and i loved how they portrayed this aspect of therapy therapy in the show was there to help him sort of to break through like you said the admittance of his trauma so that he could at least acknowledge it and know where he's going from there Mm -hmm. and then sort of continue in his life he's probably going to be dealing with it though for the rest of his life and normally people who have experienced pain or trauma, deal with it for the rest of their lives. They just learn how to navigate it and live with it. And so I loved how they portrayed that as well because there is an episode where he has the breakthrough. He's at his lowest point. And he's like, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I'll open it up to you entirely. And then they move past it as if it's a good, positive thing. That the breakthrough of the session was that they were able to just get through it mm-hmm. and get through it, him talking about it for basically the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part sometimes is just like learning how to navigate and then accept that that was a thing that happened
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then move on with your life, sort of with that as part of you. Right. You know, well said. But. We're going to wrap up.
0: Thank you so much. This was seriously so fun. Thank you.
2: I love having your perspective.
0: And I loved meeting you, Gabe. I feel like I know you, but I've never (laughs)
2: met you. Yeah, I'd love to have you back when I have more to say about this subject matter, because it'd be fun to dialogue with you.
0: I'm happy to take assignments from you guys. If you want me to watch something, I would. Whoa.
1: What? So what do you think of the Ted Lasso theme? Is it Mumford and Sons?
0: It is. I love it. I can't say I've heard more than 30 seconds of it. I haven't listened to oh, the full song. But <laughs> I think it fits the show really well. And it's doing that thing now where it like lights up my brain. Like when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, right. we're in for a great 30 minutes or whatever. But what yeah. do you what do you think about it?
1: I think it works for the tone of the show. Yeah. And it is like sort of anthemic. It's got that like that pump up like
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry literally how it starts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was perfect. That was good.
1: Uh but Here at the end of the podcast, we will play that theme song. Love it. And here it is.